When I lived at that house at Purdue on 208 DeHart Street, I had in my bedroom this collage of movies that I made with the help of my wonderful girlfriend, Mina, of a hundred different movies that I hung up on my wall. And oftentimes when people would come over to visit or I'd have random people over for parties and if we'd make my way into my room, I would challenge them. <laughs> you say it like that. Yeah, uh, you know, just, you know, whatever the happenstance may be, uh, you know, people hanging out in the room, there would be a challenge. The gauntlet would be thrown down to see if they could name all 100 of the movies. And very few people, I will say, former guest of the pod, J.D. Hoover, might be the only person uh, that was ever there in the room that could do all 100 uh, perfectly. But in terms of that list, there was about 20 of those movies that you hadn't seen. That's true. So I think in the very early days of our relationship, when we would struggle to pick things, we had those 20 movies that you'd never seen that we wanted to get through and kind of knock them off the list and kind of watch. Yeah, we kind of fell off, though, because a lot of the movies are either dark and depressing or not streamable, which kind of led us to maybe not watch this tonight and watch something else. But they were definitely really solid when we couldn't decide on what to watch. I think we made it through about 17 or 18 of those 20. So really, we, we knocked most of them off the list. But we've gotten to the point now where we still struggle sometimes to, to find things to watch. And, uh, and I think the struggle is I want to watch stuff to show you to watch it. But you're not necessarily in the mood for the vibe of the movies I want to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that go... There's even times when I'm not with you and I'm by myself and I want to watch a movie, but I'm like, oh, but I'd rather watch that with Mina. Yeah. And what we've decided to do, uh, with a little bit of inspiration from that original list and a little bit of inspiration from our uh, fellow couple friends, Jackson and Abby, who have their own wheel of reel, I decided oh, to... a fun name. Yeah, well, we don't... <laughs> our, maybe our name uh, isn't quite as fun. We'll get there in a second, but... I wanted to put together a list of movies, and we're not going to get into the specifics of that list. We'll explain more as these kind of little mini-episodes we do go on. Um, And you even don't even know what a lot of the movies on the list are. But it is some movies that you wanted to watch and show me, some movies you wanted to watch for the first time with me, same thing, you know, vice versa, and uh, also just some, like, classics that we both haven't seen and need to catch up on. And some... Ones that friends and family have said, you guys should watch these. Exactly. So, it's a list of 300 movies <laughs> that we will eventually get through. And as we watch each one, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about it together. And uh, we're going to share that with you guys. I feel like this could go significantly faster if we were only allowed to watch these 300 movies. That is true. We're definitely (laughs) going to be seeing other things, especially new things in theaters. But I would say, you know, we're going to try and and really focus on on knocking out this list. And uh, I'm excited. When it comes to to non-new releases, we're going to stay up to date with with the new stuff. But this is a good place for, for old movie watching. Um, I think it's a pretty diverse list. It's got um, some international feature films on it, some really highly celebrated films, a good chunk of them, you know, award winners. I spanned the decades with my list. I mean, the list itself has uh, movies going all the way back to the early days of silent film. Um, So we will, uh, (laughs) we're going to be sharing, you know, just our general thoughts on the movies, 
as well as just um, whether it's a good movie to watch with uh, with a date. Oh gosh! So welcome to MK three hundred. I'm Corbin, and I'm Mina, and we're tackling our watch list of three hundred specifically curated movies one at a time. Today we are discussing the first movie, The Birdcage. Pop, I'm getting married. <laughs> it's a girl. I met her at school. It's this wonderful. Uh, what, what are you? Are you upset? But let me tell you why. Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Are you crazy? You can't get married. It's out of the question. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin. Yes, and so have I. Uh, who's his father? His father is in the arts. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do fussy, fussy, fussy. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. What does the mother do? She's a housewife. Oh, I could play it straight. You take your knife and you smear. Men smear. Smear, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Get the pinky <laughs> down. Oh. Right, hold the knife boldly in strength. I pierce the Al, you old so-and-so. How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins. Fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed, bewildered. Call me. Perfect. Won't you come in? Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, come here and give me a hug. I've never felt such tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. Oh God, it's a nightmare. Get up, everybody, oh. Something about the father and Mrs. Coleman. I can't put my finger on it's it. It's nothing. What do you mean? It's nothing. It is Dad, something. It is nothing. Something very strange is going on. What a fantastic movie. <laughs> this is Mike Nichols' 1996 LGBT comedy film starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. It's an American adaptation, I don't know if you knew this, of a French play slash movie. Nathan Lane and Robin Williams play a homosexual couple who own a drag club called The Birdcage in Miami. When their son wants to marry... The daughter of a Republican congressman, Lane and Williams must pretend to be straight when they meet their future in-laws in order to not ruin their future son's relationship. The movie is based on a 1978 movie and 1973 play, La Cage aux Fous. 1973 play, <laughs> La Cage aux Fous, from a script by Elaine May, marking the first film collaboration between the classic comedy duo of Nichols and May. Alongside Robin Williams and Nathan Lane star Gene Hackman, Diane West, Hank Azaria, and of course Christine Baranski. Now, let's talk about why this movie is on our list specifically. Originally, it was actually a selection that you made. Yes, it's a favorite of mine. I saw it for the first time probably, oh, 14. Um, my mom loves it where big Nathan Lane and Robin Williams fans in my household and I watch it every 
you know, every year or so. It's just a good time. And I was like, this, I feel, it's a mo- feel like it's a movie you would enjoy. And it's a movie prior to us even making this list we had discussed needing to watch together. I think we were listening to an episode of The Big Picture where it got, maybe got brought up and then maybe yeah. even an episode, or like I've, I've heard Jackson talk about it, which then brings us to the fact <laughs> that we asked Jas- Jackson and Abby to suggest some movies to us. And this was one of the five. So they kind of stole one of your picks, which then you just were able to replace with another great uh, film instead. Oh, yes. <laughs> it really just ruined your chances of watching a good film. Because now you have to watch a movie that I would not initially put on the list. But the this being a Jackson Abbey pick definitely made me happier that they're our friends because it's a fantastic movie and I was really glad that they were like, yeah, you should watch this. A well-appreciated suggestion from them. And it also kind of just worked out randomly with timing where this movie was showing in theaters right at the time when we wanted to to watch it. So we were like, oh, we're going to go see it in the theater. And then just scheduling-wise, you wanted to come home. You didn't really want to stay in the city any longer. I was tired. So we were like, yeah, we'll just watch it at home, and we were able to. I think we didn't have to rent it, did we? Mm, if I remember correctly, it's to stream. Available to stream on Amazon Prime Video. So yeah. we didn't have to pay, uh, but it, it kind of just, that's the reason we chose it as our first one. Because I really <laughs> did want to watch it in theaters, but it just ended up being one of those days where it was like, ah. Let's just go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? I think it's one that nothing is really lost from the experience of of watching it at home as as opposed to a theater. I don't think it would be significantly better. I think the only significance is like, when are you really going to see this movie in theaters anymore? I think that's the only significance. It is a movie that received an Academy Award for art direction. It's got... beautiful. Or an Academy nomination for art direction, I should say. It's got... An incredible just staging everything in the nightclub yeah. the, the costuming of our, our two leads um as flamboyant as they are it's their very apartment important building. yeah like, i mean just everything about just... it um is incredibly well uh, put together so it would be cool to see that kind of rendered on a big screen but otherwise i don't think or there was anything in play form also very true I, w- I would love to see what uh it would look like on the stage um and especially the french stage because you know oh, they yeah. get crazy over there <laughs> Every time we do a movie, we're going to be sharing uh, our three thoughts. These can be generally related to the movie or not. We're going to kind of go back and forth and then just kind of discuss them, use them as jumping off points for our discussion about the movie. Why don't you get it started? Well, since I have seen this before, my main question was just like, what did you think of this movie? Because I've seen it and I absolutely love it, as I've said so much at the beginning of this. Um, and Nathan Lane is just phenomenal. I think he really steals the movie. Um, and I want to know, like, what what did you think, broad scope of the movie? Yeah, I really enjoyed it for watching it the first time. I was not necessarily surprised by anything that happened in it. I think it is a very telegraphed story that's very similar to a lot of rom-coms or even stories about, like, fish out of water, you got to bring your parents home to meet somebody who's a little different. It's, you know, whether it's like a guess who's co- guess who's coming to dinner or even like a guess who readaptation with like mm-hmm. a black and a white family coming together. It, it's an idea um, that I think has been played out in film multiple times. But I found it to be a really heartwarming and, you know, kind of fresh and different look at it, especially when you see 
in the 90s, there's hardly any films that are, you know, tackling subjects similar to this and you know, mm-hmm. focusing on LGBT characters in this way. I think it does that with extreme care. And I don't think there's anything about it that I would say doesn't hold up in 2023, which I think is pretty impressive. Yes, they do say uh, the F slur in the movie, uh, which maybe they would just avoid entirely in 2023, but it is, you know, the gay characters using it kind of about themselves rather than used in a derogatory sense. And I think it's also just like of the time, like it's it's in that time period. I think it'd be weirder to not hear that word at all. And you would note like, watching it then you'd notice it feels like they're purposely going around saying this yeah and i I think the idea itself is a fun conceit to have i will say just an absolute (laughs) terrible child their 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 son son? is the worst (laughs) i'm sorry but uh you know he seems very accepting of the situation obviously he was raised by gay parents but the second he has to you know he finds a a girlfriend he he's afraid He, he has to hide his family which um, you know, I think makes sense. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in similar situations, especially in the 90s and in the 80s or in the 70s when this was originally conceived of. He really sucks. Well, he's you just kind of wonder, like, where does that come from? Because yeah. he's on South Beach where Nathan Lane's character's walking and everyone, he's so excited that his son's home and everyone on the community or he's walking down the street he's knows who he's talking people. about so it's like clearly he grew, grew up in this community that's completely fine with how his parents are and it's interesting that he goes off to college and meets this girl and now he's really worried it's kind of the inverse of what happens to a lot of people at yeah it, it is interesting too because it's not just that his parents are to gay men. They're like very flamboyant. They own a drag club in the city of Miami and already boisterous and loud city. So it's like... They're like the king of he, the gay. There's no avoid. I don't even really know what he expected for no. his parents to And I think it's to important do. to note, though, that Robin Williams' character is his biological father. And it was like this crazy night of trying to be straight that Robin Williams' character had that ended up in his son and Nathan Lane has always just kind of been there as well um and so I think that's something that they developed through the movie as well is their son coming to that realization that Nathan Lane's character is his mother ostensibly Mm. and he needs to get over himself kind of yeah and I I love those dynamics of you know true genetic relation versus, you know, <laughs> who is the person that's actually taking care of you and, and being your mother exactly. or father, um, which I think is really cool. I have a question for you. Do you think the 2023 version of this movie, because do you think in the plot where uh, our Republican congressman is ha- having this big scandal, um, basically his co-chair or his, his partner or whatever has been caught having sex with like an underage kid like and very, dies yeah it, <laughs> very uh very scandalous um events happening there do you think that the twist would be the republican congressman would actually use this as an opportunity to kind of seem more morally accepting in 2023 or more um you know kind of uh, less of a problem, like, oh, hey, I'm the Republican, but my son's marrying into a gay family. Hey, 
Look at that. Don't you, do you think that would be like the 2023 twist on it? A, a right-wing person would not necessarily, maybe they would still be appalled, but they could see the, uh, the angle they could use it. No. <laughs> you don't think that would happen? You think it's still I think, just... I think maybe a couple of years ago, like a 2021 mm. adaptation, we could go there. 2018? 2018, yeah. You know, like somewhere, either like right before COVID or like kind of during, like, you know, because I think we're seeing a sharp it's, decline right now. It's a right very now. Obama era. Maybe. Yes. I think we're seeing a very sharp decline at the moment of going back into kind of where we're at in this movie, where it would have been... Where if they did an adaptation in 2023, I think they could probably do storyline exactly the same and it would still resonate the same way. I think that's fair. Uh, Which is scary. When you look scary. at the, last, <laughs> uh, the the previous presidential term, there were, there were a lot of things. I think um, changes to this would probably exist in, in terms of gender and sexuality. I agree with right. you, though. It could be. They could change things in that Obviously way. Obviously, a huge plot point of this movie. When the Republican in-laws, future in-laws, arrive, Nathan Lane disappears and then shows back up dressed as, as a woman, as his mom, under a different name. And, of course, the, our, our, our Republicans, our, our Gene Hackman and Diane West characters, uh, they're completely clueless. Can I tell you what? That I love their performances because Diane West is, I think, the stereotypical Republican housewife that's just like, oh, I don't have a voice and I'm going to keep being told to stop talking. She's very Nancy dinner. Reagan. And, but it's just like still lovely. You're like, oh, mm. I know I don't really agree with anything she probably thinks, but she's being a lovely person outwardly. And this is very interesting. Mm. Uh, I feel you see Gene Hackman really shifting his worldview a lot more in this movie than you do her. I think she's got a, a shorter leap to make to becoming a, a, a nice, decent person than his character does. Yeah, I would say, I would say definitely on the surface. I, I think they're both equally uh, appalled by it Ooh, at the end. Yeah. Uh, we, with that, I have a question for you. This is obviously kind of a spoiler, but this is a 90s movie, so I don't care about spoiling at this point. The ending where they have to dress up in drag to escape the press. Mm. Do you really think the press, like they're, they're, they're all done up. Do you really think the press wouldn't have noticed that was Gene Hackman walking to the crowd? I think somebody would have taken a look. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, look, I, they were stunningly dressed. You would at least, you know, you would. It's like everybody was ignoring them. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody even considered. Like they were just like, oh, the drag queen. Like, um, no, I don't think that was a, a believable exit. I think maybe the better idea would like, you know, Nathan Lane goes up on stage and does some big performance to get everybody's attention, and then they sneak out the back or I something think like that. The drag idea could work. I think they did not do enough makeup. Well, that's fair. To it was wear- a quick, quick move. Yeah, that was that was quick on their feet. They were going. I think it was really funny though that Gene Hackman's character was appalled that no one wanted to dance with his <laughs> drag queen. He was like, "No one likes me." Not and pretty enough. I just thought that was really funny, <laughs> but I agree. I don't think that was gonna work getting him out. Obviously, we are uh, two straight people in a relationship here, but sure. so you know, I we can't speak to whether it's okay or not. But I think it is interesting. To look at like Robin Williams like, as a guy who in the 90s, you know, in this movie, playing a gay man. 
and Mrs. Doubtfire is not afraid to cross-dress and, and mm-hmm. appear as a woman and, and literally pretend to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool that, like, Robin Williams, rest in peace to him, is somebody that was never afraid to really take those risks at any point in his career. He would really play any role. And he's a very, you know, out there, extreme person as it is. And his personality is just extremely charismatic. But I, I think it's it's really cool that he's, you know, was willing to take on these roles. I know the original pairing was supposed to be uh, Robin Williams and Steve Martin was kind of the pitch there. Mm-hmm. And, and Martin was like, I don't think I want to do it. And Robin Williams was like, well, I've already done like the, you know, I've done the drag. I've dressed up as a woman before. I'm afraid to, you know, get back into that. He was going to be Nathan Lane's yeah, character? Yeah, I believe so. That was the, okay, the idea. Okay, good. I was like, there's no way yeah. Martin so I think, could be I Nathan I think the Lane. flip is, is better. Nathan Lane, this movie would not have been as successful without Nathan Lane being in it. Um, but I think, to your point about Robin Williams, I think he's also one of the few that is generally respected in being able to play characters like that because he handles them with grace and care, and it's not a joke. Mm. It feels like he really is that person. You don't feel like, in movies, when people have fat suits on, that it's a joke. You know, it's, this is, he has now embraced Armand in this character, and he is ostensibly a gay man. I think, similarly, you have Stanley Tucci now. Like, he has played gay characters, and... I, for a long time, thought he was gay, so I was the reverse. I was shocked to find out he was straight. So I think there's a few actors that know how to take a character like this and do it respectfully and with care, and everyone's like, perfect, you did this right. But I think I think it's a very few that are brave enough to take it on and know how to do it correctly. Yeah, and I don't think Robin Williams ever really in his humor is coming from like a place of ill intent Never. or hate. And, like it's it's all always been, you know, even in the the darker, scarier things, it's like there's still heart there, right? It's coming from a positive place. Um I do I, I wanted to bring this up. There was talk <laughs> before the, the movie came out, um you know, about, you know, reservations the studio had about the politics maybe and how it would be received would right-wing people be you know unhappy about their representation in the film would you know people on the left be upset with the way it approaches things but um specifically talking about like the republican portrayal um one of the studio people uh, said mike anticipated these concerns eight or nine months ago by the time he said by the time the movie comes out you won't be able to parody these guys anymore they'll be parodying themselves which i just love his idea because that's something that i really like talk about and think about a lot when it comes to movies now and like especially movies talking about our political climate and this idea of like you can't even parody because it's become so much the the world itself is parody like everything is so ridiculous and beyond and even in the 90s he's like these fucking right-wing lawmakers who are coming up with all these anti-lgbt laws and are trying to you know force their way into every single person's lives and kind of force their right-wing christian beliefs into everybody's households that they're just so ridiculous like everything about them and the way they portray themselves in the media is so ridiculous that this movie isn't even a parody of that they've already done enough to parody themselves and in, in the months leading up to the film um, which I, I love as an idea yeah I agree I think that's one of the more interesting things at the moment is that at this point 
society and what's happening in real life seems almost more entertaining or like shocking than any movie I've watched recently. <laughs> it's just like, wow, th- this feels like a movie. It feels like someone wrote this script. <laughs> and yeah. and at times it even feels too ridiculous to be in a movie, which I think is interesting as well. Like you're living life and you're like, holy shit, I would have not believed that could happen. Walking, <laughs> walking around New York City, you can have a lot of those moments too. <laughs> Life's just like a movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> My favorite part about the birdcage is Agador Spartacus, Hank Azaria's mm. character. Uh, star of uh, the much-loved The Idol. Not star, supporting performance. Sure, I don't know. He plays like a weird talent agent. Well, I love him. The awesome show. So, (laughs) um, but he knows how to handle Nathan Lane's character. At one point, he says, let me give you a Purin tablet. And Robin Williams' character loses his shit. He's like, why are you giving him drugs? And he's like, it's aspirin. I (laughs) scrape off the A and the S. And that is just so genius to me. And I think... Just in that little couplet, you learn so much about these people. And it's like, that's the <laughs> mo- because the thing is, like, he's there, he's like this heavy comedic relief, relief throughout the movie. And, yes. like, also the fact, like, he's a terrible housekeeper. And a terrib- well, like, this is my question. He's bad at, he's terrible at cooking. Like, he makes this awful meal for them. Um, but then you see that, and you're like, that's why he's there. And, like, that, it's be- like it's because of the him. connection he has and the, the relationship. And... It's all about family. Yeah. And you learn later that he's been auditioning to be a part of the show and he clearly has no talent, you know, and he's just funny without, mm. but it's him that's funny, but he can't wear shoes because <laughs> he make him fall. And I wanted to know, what did you think about that? The fact that as soon as he puts shoes on, this poor man can't walk. I would say <laughs> the way I feel about his character in general, the bit gets played out a little bit. Like, <laughs> like at a certain point in the movie, you're like, okay, we've had, we've had enough of this. I think it is funny. He's very funny as a physical actor. All the different outfits he comes in, both trying to be uh, a stri- like seemingly straight maid, and then also just what he's wearing in his everyday life. Um, I think it's very funny. I think we probably could have done with a little bit less but then again everything about this movie is about the extra and the extravagant yeah um, i think his voice he does in this is his precursor to his voice in the night at the museum <laughs> i Do wanted to talk this line. i wanted to talk um <laughs> so originally the the actor adrian lester was the person that they were talking about playing the role and then as they were kind of discussing and they're like well you know if we kind of Adrian Lester is a black man. If we put like a person of color into this role, we don't want it to kind of be stuck into these racial stereotypes. You know, having a person of color as the um, the housekeeper, housekeeper in this this movie. So instead, they went with Hey Kazaria, and he had a lot of. He was trying to go back and forth of like how would he play it because on one hand he had a performance crafted that was kind of more very straight, like like you know, still a gay man, but more like Southern, hardworking, like kind of thing and then this other what we got in the movie more well what he says based on these puerto rican street queens that he knew Love growing it. up is what he quoted. <laughs> um and I, and I think that performance fits better in into the movie and it it creates the 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 tension when, yeah. when the other when the gene ackman we'll talk up. 
this is going back to your initial question about how, or when we talked earlier about how they would change the makeup of the movie. Mm. I think it wouldn't necessarily be sexuality makeup, but I think it might be, it would be a mixed race couple now. Mm. Instead, you know, I think they would, there would be, because in this movie, the people of color in the movie it's are set the in other, Miami it would make very it would make yeah. sense for them to but just they're be the uh, the only other people of color in this movie are the other drag queens True. that you really just see in drag and they're stunning the whole time but you really just see them through that very quick in and out they're not on screen very much and so I feel like that would be where maybe we see the shift whether it's a Republican lawmaker that's a black man and that's very interesting to talk about that seems or, like, that's almost guaranteed the route right do, yeah or it's it's now it's a Puerto Rican man and a white man, you know, like yeah, and I mean, know, or like you know, it's the the wife is the the congresswoman, you know, oh, something like that. Let's do that, yeah. Twist it. Republican congresswoman. Oh god, everybody loves those. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> the last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of just like a general thing, but it's related to Nathan Lane. It's just this idea of like when you discover a person or you realize who a person is then you then begin to see them in everything. Yeah. And obviously you and I watched uh, Only Murders in the Building the first season. He's in it. When, when It wasn't when it came out, but it was shortly yeah. after, in 2021, around that time. Um, and we've watched the subsequent seasons as they've released. But he's in the first season, plays a very pivotal role in the show. And that was the first time I had ever seen him in anything, or at least clocked him as like, I know who this person is. And really? I know that's not the truth and now that I've gone back and looked at the things that he's in but it's so weird to be like that was the first time I'm like who is this person okay it's Nathan Lane and then since then it's like okay we watched the birdcage he's in that I saw Bo's Afraid earlier this year he's in that oh yeah he plays fucking Timon in the Lion King like it's just that funny thing where you begin to see people more and more and it's just because you notice them um, I mean that that you're missing a pivotal character in the fact that he is the a cat pal. in Stuart oh, Little. Cat. Well, I did see Stuart Little. I didn't take the time to look. He's at, the I, fluffy I white cat. Right, the villain. That's angry at him all the time. They wow. become best friends that's at intense. the end. But I, I hadn't considered that. Ratatou- Ratatouille, or sorry, not Ratatouille. <laughs> Stuart Little. <laughs> Stuart Little, uh, written by M. Night Shyamalan. Great. Mouse Hunt. He really likes the Great mice. One. Yeah, he's all know? he's all about the movies. But then even it's like it goes beyond that because it's like SNL last night. Timothy Chalamet was on it, and they were doing like a Troye Sivan bit. And there's a joke about like Nathan Lane only being gay famous, and I think that is probably why I didn't know him because I am just a regular straight dude. But she get out more. now that I know who he is, uh, <laughs> he continues to pop up, and I, I always appreciate his work. And uh, I think this is probably the best thing I've seen him in, though. It's definitely something that I would think is more your speed out of the things he's in like it's something that i think just has a, a lot of stuff that you're going to enjoy more mm. and would be drawn to like mouse hunt's not really something you're going to be drawn to you know and i'm a the big rest uh, of his, Stuart little head though i would say the rest of the stuff we're drawn to him and he's doing voice work like i'm sorry his right work i as Timon, excuse yeah. me stunning i didn't know that he, i learned that an hour before uh, started are you serious yeah. I still do. Oh my god. It makes a lot of sense. He again it just Lion King one and a half. It's his movie, man. Like Fair. Love me some Nathan Lane. He is just so fun to watch and love when he just pops up. Also one of the stars of the uh, recently released Dicks the Musical. So go check that out in a uh, theater near you, potentially. <laughs> the final thing we've got to hit 
Is this a good date movie? Is this a good one to sit down and watch with a significant other? I think this is a great date movie. I think it's fun. It's a classic for me. Um, I think it has aspects that anyone can enjoy. Um, and it doesn't really ruin the mood at any point. Like you, you're having fun before you watch it, having fun after you watch it, you're having fun while you watch it. It's, it keeps up with how you're feeling. Yeah. And it's not a rom-com or a relationship movie that like would make you want to break up with someone or like where things in, like you said, everything ends positively and it, you can and you can think about like you know what if our kid was an asshole and pulled some shit like that they you probably will be but i mean but it's also like there's not the typical oh my god they're gonna break up mm. in it either it's it's upbeat well there is yeah most i mean there of is it. Any... there's you got you've got your problems but it's not that the dark night of the soul moment as it is sometimes referred into in screenplay like the 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 downest moment of this movie is not that bad like no it's a, it's downest, a risk between a family yeah more than anything um but yeah I, it's still it's not much to come back from no i would watch this again and again for a date night well thank you guys for for joining us for the first episode of mk300 we've got uh, 299 more to go. <laughs> so uh stick along for the ride we will be discussing a wide variety of movies. That's for sure. Please check out Birdcage, though. Thanks for listening to the episode. You can follow the rest of our happenings over here at Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Cat Podcasts, K-H-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Please follow us on Spotify, give us a rating, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow along for more.